welcome to livealittlehigher.com. Today we continue learning Hovos Halevavot, and we're in, this, in the gate of self-accounting. And today, Rabbi Pakuda, he says, one should make a personal accounting when his enthusiasm and zeal are for worldly matters to which he devotes all his effort, mental energy, and strength. He should compare this to his disdain for matters of his later end and to his deviation from God's service. So the question is here, where do you put your energy? Where is your energy going to? Is it going to the pursuit of the materialistic world of I want, I need, uh, give me, give me, give me, I need a new car, I, knew, I need a new house, I want a new vacation, I want, I want, I want. Uh, this is a question, where do you put this energy? So the Rabbi Pakuda, he continues saying, he will discover that worldly matters are foremost in his thoughts, the focus of his greatest ambitions, for his various possessions do not satisfy him anymore. Like a person that is always thinking about what more can I have, is not even enjoying what he has because his head is already somewhere else. Rather, he's like a fire. The more wood you put into it, the more it's gonna burn. The greater is gonna be the flame. So if he keeps track of the seasons when merchandise is accumulated and when it is sold, he follows the market every second, research whether goods are selling at high prices or low prices, and tracks the fluctuations of prices all over the world. He travels to distant places undeterred by heat, cold, storms, it doesn't matter what's going on, a pandemic, or long treks through the desert. He does all this in the hope of achieving what he desires, but there is no end to that. Like it's like getting on a treadmill that never stops. It never stops. You keep running and running and running and chasing and chasing and chasing for worldly pursuits. When you grab one, then another one arrives and you're, nev you're never done. You're never done. You're never satisfied. Every time you become uh, more empty and empty and empty and empty. So he says, it is possible that he will labor in vain, yielding nothing but extended pain, trouble and labor. And if he attains part of what he desired, it is possible that he will have it only to preserve, manage, and protect until he passes to the, to the one destined to receive it. Whether in his lifetime, as it says, at a younger age, it will leave him, this is Yirmiyahu, or after his death, as it is written, they leave their wealth to others. This is in Tehillim. So we know that there's people that work very hard their whole lives, they're, they're, they're in the treadmill their whole lives, not to even enjoy what they have. Suddenly they die, and this goes on to a grandchild, a son, someone else. He worked so hard, it wasn't even for him. So the wise one, King Solomon, warned us against excessive drive. It's interesting that it was King Solomon, since he had many horses, many wives, many everything, but he was the wisest of men. And he's telling us, do not toil to get wealth. Do not toil to get wealth of your own understa understanding desist. And describe the ill inherent in it. Before you can set your eyes on it, it is gone. The otherwise one King David guided and encouraged us to work only for one basic sustenance. That we should only 
work for our needs to, to be able to pay our rent or our lease or our mortgage, to be able to pay the education of our children, to be able to pay our clothes, you know? Most people that have good incomes have good lives. They have their house, they have their car, they go on a vacation once a year, their children are going to school, they're dressed. Having more money doesn't mean you're gonna have a better hamburger. <laughs> the same hamburger you can eat. Excess, on the other hand, to have excessive possessions really doesn't bring any more joy. It doesn't make, bring more joy and as the, the the Mishnah teaches us the more possessions, the more worry. So you will eat the fruit of your labor, of your hands, you will be happy and it will be well with you. So there was a pious man also asked God to grant him a, an adequate livelihood, but to withhold from him his wealth, which leads to luxuries and poverty, which leads to the corruption of morality and religion. As he said, two things I ask of you, give me neither poverty nor riches, but provide me with the daily bread lest I be full and deny you and say who is God or lest I be poor and steal so what he's saying is this man he said to Hashem he says like give me what I need give me my needs give me everything I need but don't give me more and don't give me less because if you make me too rich then I'm gonna I'm gonna come to a point where I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna deny you I'm gonna think I'm the one that makes all the money that I'm the I'm I'm my God and if I and if I God forbid become poor and I'm so distressed then I'm gonna say who is God like he doesn't care about me look he who is who is God and then I will be so poor that I'm gonna have to steal so similarly we find that our patriarch Yaakov peace be upon him ask God to provide only his needs he said to him when we pray for Parnassa when we pray for, for our needs we have to know how to pray from here we learn he asked the way he asked is if God will give me bread to eat he asked for bread so he could eat it there's a purpose for him having bread and clothes to wear how many people are there in the world that have bread in their house but they cannot eat it that God forbid they have celiac, Crohn's, whatever disease, and they cannot even eat. Or you can have a person that has a closet full of clothes and they cannot wear them because they, they're sick and they cannot go out. So we have to know how we or ask for our needs. We have to tell Hashem, I need this for this, but it should be for a holy purpose. I need bread so I can eat. I need clothes so I can get dressed. So it is too full, it becomes ill. If a person is too full, he becomes ill. If it is too hungry, it becomes weak. It's not so good, so much to one side and so much to the next. If you overdress, it is irritated. If you leave it naked, it suffers. Moreover, management of the body, when it is healthy or sick, when it lives or dies, is not in accordance with your will or in your power, but is under the control of your creator. May he be exalted. And what of the superiority, superiority of your neshama, of your soul? He's saying, who's thinking about soul nobody's ever thinking about the soul people are thinking about what steak they're gonna eat they're thinking about how they're what's the new dress that they're gonna wear what's that new handbag I want to have but there people are not thinking about their neshama which is superior from from the body as he says the soul's exaltedness over the body 
over the body's lowliness, the soul's spirituality over the body's corporeality, the soul's permanence over the body's transience, the soul continuous existence over the body's decay, the soul's simplicity over the body's complexity, the soul's refinement over the body's grossness, the soul's rationality over the body's bestiality, and the soul's receptivity to virtue over the body's receptivity to vice. Look at this. The soul is, is, is holy. It's connected to Hashem. It's never going to be tainted. It's always going to be pure. But the body, the body can decay. The body can fall to the worst of the worst. So if you act in such seal and effort to further the well-being of your body, despite its unworthiness and baseness and your ultimate inability to help or harm it, how much more seal and effort you should display for the benefit of your noble and immortal soul? Like, yeah, you know, the body, the body is alone from God. It's important. We have to take care of the body. We have to respect the body. It's important. It's in the Torah. You have to be healthy. But the, the, the way you take care of the body is not because the body is, is something that you have to aggrandize. You take care of the body because the body is the vehicle of your neshama. You need a healthy body, you need a proper body to be able to carry your soul around the world, to be able to fulfill the, the, the mitzvot and learn Torah. If, if a soul is not inside of a body, he cannot fulfill mitzvot. So this is the reason why we take care of the body, because it's, a, it's, 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 it's something that it's needed. It's holy. The body's holy. It's so holy that when a person dies, the Torah makes big efforts to, to, to bury a person in the, in the right way. The, the way the Hebra Kadishah deals with a body is like incredible. I remember when I used to do Bikur Holim, once I came to a room and the man had just died. He had just passed away. And Hebra uh, Kadisha hadn't arrived to the hospital yet. So you cannot leave a Jew alone, a, a person that just died. You cannot leave him there just like that. You have to guard him. You have to be a shomer. You have to sit down and say Tehillim and be with the body till someone comes and takes care of it. And there's Allah, like you have to open a window, you have to cover the body. There's a lot of things that have to be done. And uh, so I said to the nurse, look, I, I'm not leaving. I'm going to wait for the Hebra Kadisha to come because the body, we have to be very respectful of that body. And she answered me, I really, I really respect the Jewish people because you, you take care of the body. For us, a person dies, he dies. Nobody cares about the body. Nobody cares about the body. But a Jew will take such extremes to bury somebody in a proper way that it's, it's something commandable because the body is a vehicle. A body is something that Hashem gave a Jew or, or humanity to put a soul in inside so the body is, 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 is you have to take care of it it's, it's like if you have a car that takes you places you have to take care of your car it's it's dead ahead it's it's have to take respect to, for the things that take you Allah forbids a person to throw the clothes in the in the floor you cannot throw your clothes in the floor why because they clothe you they, they dress you they protect you you have to have respect so the same way the body has to be respected and but it cannot be idolized that's what it's saying here by truth and never sell wisdom instruction and understanding acquire wisdom acquire understanding how much better to acquire wisdom than gold acquiring understanding is preferable to silver if you are wise you 
your wisdom is your very own. The point of the last verse is that if, that your spiritual assets are truly yours. The only thing that really you own is your spiritual assets. Because the material world, once you're gone out of this world, they're gone. They're not yours anymore. There's not, they're not yours anymore. My, my father passed away. I, I, I was left with his things. They're mine now. So you don't take anything with you, nothing. But your, your, your spiritual assets, your, the mitzvot that you did, the, the, the kindness that you did in this world, the Torah learning you did in this world, that is yours. You, it belongs to you. So reflect on my words and understand my message. Message Seek to verify them in God's Torah and in the words of the masters of blessed memory. You will find with God's help confirmation of my words in scripture, scripture reason, and tradition. So I want to wish you a blessed week. I hope that um, you have a beautiful Pesach. You have a Hag Sameah, kosher, Freilehem Pesach. should be happy, kosher and redemptive and next week I'm not gonna be posting anything because obviously we're all working very hard to get to to Passover but but I really want to wish you from the bottom of my heart that that Pesach brings to you a peace of mind it brings you health good health and joy in your service to Hashem thank you